press the button. Reminds me of the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Gart. News, ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome <coughs> to the Iron Podcast. Somebody always has to dance during the intro music. Today it was more. <laughs> right. Welcome time. to tonight's episode of the Iron Sissabin Podcast, <laughs> folks. I'm your host, Nate, and I'm joined by Uncle Mark and a special guest, Greg, who's also a co-worker of ours. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about a topic that we touched on in our last show, and uh, Greg had just sort of coincidentally written a blog post about that uh, kind of resonated with me, and I think it was a really great follow-up, basically. To, uh, to what we talked about last week. So I think we're just going to kind of hop right on into that, and then uh, we'll go on with the show as normal. So uh, contact tracing, it's kind of a hot item at the moment. Uh, it's the, the, the concept that uh, we can track who we've been in contact with, hence the name contact tracing, with our smartphones. And then say, you know, a week from now, I'm diagnosed with COVID-19 or God knows what else uh, that's, you know, transmissible amongst people. Everyone space I've been, herpes. Every, space herpes. Everyone I've been in contact with for the past, you know, 14 days or whatever the incubation time is for that particular uh, illness can be notified and then they can go get themselves checked out. Uh, the things that we talked about on the last show were this sounds like a, a great thing for, you know, trying to, to limit the spread of a virus, but a really bad thing for, for privacy because, I mean, companies wouldn't misuse that data, would they? Nobody would do that. Never. Oh, of course not. No. Uh -uh. Well, coincidentally, Greg here wrote a blog post on pretty much that exact same thing, and you proposed a couple ideas on how to possibly fix that. So, uh, first of all, Greg, if you have any kind of an introduction that you'd like to give, so people know who you are and uh, sort of what you do, what you do, and why uh, why they might want to yes. listen to you on such a topic, <laughs> right. and then we'll who get into contact you? tracing. Who are you, and why should we care what you say? Right. <laughs> I'm some bald guy from Minnesota. <laughs> I uh, so I and I work for Red Hat, and I, th I think a lot of the audience here is is uh, probably close to Red Hat in one way or another. I was a I was a Red Hat reseller before joining Red Hat in 2015, and I fill a role called TAM, Technical Account Manager, and and um, you know guys like Uncle Mark and I and and Nate, we take care of some of the biggest companies in the whole world. We we take care of all their open source IT needs around Red Hat stuff. And so that's uh, that's what I do for a living. That's my day job. And then at night, I, I, late at night, I hang out in front of the computer. <laughs> like we all do, right? Yeah, yeah. But what I do late at night is I do research on how, how to how to build cell phone bombs and and how to how to poison GPS signals to hijack trucks and, and um, stuff like that. And I write novels. So oh. there's two there's a no there's a novel called Bullseye Breach: Anatomy of an Electronic Break-in, and that's a novel about a retailer named Bullseye Stores, uh, and how they lost 40 million credit cards to some overseas Russians during the Christmas 2013 shopping season. That never happens. I've been told that that Total book fiction. seems to come really, really close to real life. <laughs> so since we're recording this for posterity, I, I need to always add that any resemblance to any characters. Uh, 
any 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 resemblance to any real world characters is purely coincidental. There you go. Or major chain stores that have a red symbol. <laughs> well, it's just it's a bullseye stores, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think we have I the book doesn't have a picture of a logo or anything like that. And the the um the target symbol on the front of the book is green. <laughs> <laughs> well then it's totally not the same place if it's green totally not totally not, totally not. beth um um beth jacobs was beth jacob was the cio of target stores and she was blonde and liz isaacs is the cio of bullseye stores and she's a brunette i made mm, completely different completely totally different, totally different. Oh. hello tiny lager yes I, hey, have, I have a visitor <laughs> yeah all right I might bring my grandson if he if he comes to get him in front of the camera and then and then vi and virus bomb Mark I don't think you've read virus bomb yet dude I was actually one of the groups that you gave early access to virus bomb and I was reading some pre-release copy of it I remember and, that and I enjoy it but I have not read the released version of the book yet you know, the cool. released yep the released one's got some got some updates so uh, yeah. do you do it, you it, release it's been patched. Do you release this patched. stuff just kind of for fun or do you actually have like a book deal where you're actually selling these things? I have a book deal. Well, I'm trying to sell these things. Um yeah. Morgan <laughs> that's the key, published. right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Morgan James Publishing published Virus Bomb and it went live in 2019. Well, last year the ebook was in February and the physical book was in May of 2019. So you can buy you can buy Bullseye Breach or Virus Bomb from Amazon or or any your any any retailer that sells books. I own a signed copy of Bullseye Breach, and yeah. I I couldn't put it down. Greg did not pay me to say this. You gave it to me when we were both down at Red Hat for what we call Return Week, and I couldn't put it down on the flight home. That's I remember cool. that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there is there an audiobook version that's uh, narrated by you? Not yet. Oh, that would that would be that would be so clutch. <laughs> I would pay for that. I'm a I'm a I'm a big, I didn't pay for the physical copy. Yeah, I'm a you big uh, I'm a big fan of the Dresden Files series. If anybody's familiar with those, anybody that's on the show, if you get the audiobooks, they're narrated by James Marsters, and they are phenomenal. They add him narrating them or reading them adds so much to the story that. Now, uh, I'm going to lose a nerd point, but how is he, is he related to the Dresden Files in some way? Did he play so Harry Dresden in the he's, series? He's an actor. Um, I believe he was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. So uh -huh. that's that's sort of his, uh, the, the only thing that I know him from. And I didn't know that when I started uh, started listening to the audiobooks. So, um, but yeah, he does a phenomenal job, I think. So uh, anybody who hasn't Wait. read the Dresden Files... And likes audiobooks. You should go look up the uh, the Dresden Files uh, audiobooks read by James Marsters because they're pretty awesome. Well, we wait for Bullseye Breach and Virus Bomb read by Greg Scott to be released. Indeed, well, indeed. I, you know, if like if, if somewhere between one and two hundred people were to tell me, "Yeah, Greg, if you made an audiobook for sure, I'd buy it." Well, then that would be a break even deal, and I'd well, be foolish not to do so. Here's two. I think you got two right <laughs> yeah. here. And start, right, start, start I would pay for that. Start the tally. Yeah, it's about it's a it's about a twenty five hundred dollar cost, which I would spend, and I would get I, I I would get a professional voice person to do the narrating and everything. I'd do it right. You betcha, I would. If, but you gotta find buyers. Right. Well, it would have to be someone from Minnesota if it's not you. I demand <laughs> I demand the Minnesota nice thing. You gotta, you gotta have the right accent. Well, we don't have accents in Minnesota. Everyone else has accents. Everyone else has these crazy. Oh, accents. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, okay. sure. So, at any rate, um, you see how we're kind of not even haven't even touched the topic yet. Yeah, right. We'll get how it always goes. We'll get there. Yeah, I get it. Eventually. So, um, contact tracing. Right. Uh, So, on on our last show when we talked about contact tracing, uh, basically we there was a news item, news article about how both Android and iOS were working to, or maybe have already built a opt-in framework for contact tracing built into. The operating system, and then healthcare providers or pretty much anybody else would then be able to um, interface with that API, and they could use that contact contact tracing data. And um, Mark and I both sort of fell on the that sounds like a good idea, but not a great idea. <laughs> and then our other co-host who was on uh, then was uh, Charles, and he sort of fell on the side of. Uh, privacy be damned, we really need this, right? To try to charge. to try to stop try to stop the spread of COVID nineteen. And I can sympathize, but I still feel like it's a bad thing, right? Well, uh, Greg here, you want to talk a little bit about the blog that you wrote, and there is a link for that in the show notes for anyone who hasn't um, hasn't sure. hasn't read this, you know, because they don't follow Greg's blog as closely as we do i'm going to copy it and i'm going to put it if you're watching live which i don't know that anybody is i'm going to throw this into the chat Mm. okay i think it's just me watching on youtube to see what it looked like okay so we're just one quickie uh don't give me more credit than i'm due it i did not invent this idea that came from that came from um from mike burcell who's the red hat chief security architect okay and i happened to read his blog called um, Alice v, Alice, aliceevebob.com. And on his blog, he called for an open source version of contact tracing. If we're going to do contact tracing, make it open source. And then he had some other criteria about what would be a good uh, design for such an application. Well, that's it. Then you're off the show. We're going to go get him. Okay, there you go. <laughs> go get and Burstell, I think, is British, so he'd be, I mean, be I love perfect. the Minnesota thing, but, oh, we could have the two of you together. Just be that cool. Would be yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. if we can, we'll get a link to that article as well, as long as it's normally public, and then we'll I'll add that to the show notes later. Yeah, yeah it's public, and, and my blog post has a link to his blog post. Oh, good. Yeah, and, and he commented on my blog post, and we've traded emails back and, back and forth, forth, so we know about each other. Hmm? I appreciate your, your I appreciate your humility, Greg. But the reality is, is I just in the short time I've known you relative to the rest of my life, you're clearly passionate about security and privacy and and doing computers right. And and I would definitely consider you a, a subject matter expert in this. So don't sell yourself short. Oh well, thanks. I just thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I and I have studied. I am passionate. But like, you've done more than what you're not like Karen the anti-vax who's watched one YouTube video and now you have a medical degree. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on that. I. I <laughs> well, I've I've had to refute a bunch of BS uh, paranoid contact tracing stuff on Facebook, but please do, oh, you, don't you, let me don't you, let me throw you off the rails here. You and me both. I've I've got I've got liberal friends who think COVID nineteen is a conservative conspiracy to take over the world, and I've got oh, conservative I haven't heard, friends, like, yeah, who I think it's that side of it trying to take over the whole world. So I yeah. I. I, I've heard it both ways. Well, stay, stay tuned for the news, folks, and we're going to talk about 5G and how you can protect yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. anyway, I get I get into some of these Facebook discussions, and I have right wingers and left wingers, and they just have at it with each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. 
my only rule is you guys have added have added as much as you want. Just keep it simple. Just keep it civil. It's all yeah. I am. Yeah. So the idea. So how can you can you describe to us, or maybe not me because I get it, but to the people viewing, yeah, how it. how yeah. would an open source uh, how would an open source application for contact tracing be any better than a not so open source, say privately owned uh, application for contact tracing? How how would well, it be better? Yeah, for the for the wider audience, we need to talk about what open source is, and everybody here already knows, but maybe your wider audience doesn't. And so for the wider audience, open source means just like just the word it says. Nobody as soon there are people out there, if you say if you say a technology word, they just they run. They they close down their brains and they run. I have a friend once, I said the word protocol in a sentence. So like protocol, one one thousand. It's about one second. I said protocol and she was full on with me like this. By the time I got done to all, she was turned sideways and her feet were moving. She was trying to escape the room. Ah, it's one of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So for your wider audience, forget computers for a minute. Everybody knows what cars do. Everybody everybody in America, just about everybody in America, when they become 16, they get a driver's license. We all know what automobiles do. So think in an open source world, there would there would be somebody, there would be somebody somewhere who's got the master design for the ultimate car engine, and the whole world would contribute updates and fixes and improvements and this and that and the other. And the, and the person at the top controlling this design would accept changes and patches and put those in and, and then churn out new versions of the car engine. And if we decide we don't like this car engine, we're free to nominate somebody else to be the owner of the, of the version 2 car engine, and that person could take on the, on, the, on the best car engine. That's open source in a nutshell. That's what it is. Now, apply that to computers and software and stuff. <clears throat> if we had some interested party who 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 had a passion for doing contact tracing, somebody with the right medical knowledge and somebody with the right skill coding knowledge and who wanted to take it on, and somebody who could attract a community of interested people to keep specs and keep updates and keep new things coming in, we'd have an open source piece of software. Why is that good? It's good because everybody can look at the code. Any interested party can look at the code and, and make updates and make changes and make suggestions. It's good because it's out in the open. The, the word politicians like to use is transparent. Transparency is good. Opaque is bad. If it's transparent, if everybody knows what's going on, everybody can see what this stuff does, then there's no room for funny stuff. That's the idea. So the fear I've heard expressed by people is, well, if something's open and everybody sees the code, how can we possibly make it secure? Yeah. Oh, that's a, oh boy. You just, you just, <laughs> you knew that was going to be a lead in, didn't you? Security by obscurity. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Security by obscurity is a bad thing. Um, have there, um, oh, um, Alfred, Alfred Charles Hobbs, <clears throat> that argument you just made, Mark, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's goes all the way back to 1853. And so when, when Alfred Charles Hobbs, <clears throat> Alfred Charles Hobbs with this lot was a locksmith. And he figured out a way to, to pick all these mechanical locks. He went to this show in Britain, and they had these unpickable locks. And Alfred Charles Hobbs embarrassed everybody, and he picked the locks. So now they had to come up with better ways to do locks. Well, then he wrote a book. He wrote a book about, about, about how locks work. I, I tried to read the first page. I didn't get any farther than that. <laughs> not, <laughs> a, not a riveting read? Like, language was different in 1853 than it is no today. No doubt. <laughs> but... Um, you, um, I, I quoted a couple paragraphs of his, 
in our language today, um, he caught a whole bunch of grief for publishing what used to be a secret about how locks worked. Mm -hmm. Because by publishing these secrets, we're telling bad guys how to pick locks. How can that possibly be a good thing? Same we're, argument we're today. Secrets. And his argument then, and it's the same argument now, his argument then was bad guys already know how to pick locks. Good guys don't know how they work. When I publish this stuff, that levels the playing field. Now everybody knows how to pick locks and we can make better locks. And the same exact argument applies today with software as it did back in that day with mechanical locks. Just swap a few words. It's the same exact reasoning. Bad guys already know how to hurt us. Bad guys spend all day, all day long probing us and all night long collaborating with each other to make tomorrow's probes better. Good guys, good guys isolate ourselves in these little bubbles and don't talk to each other. And that's why bad guys pick us off like, like uh, uh, what's that thing where you shoot people in the arcades? Whack, whatever that's called. That's whack, whack a mole. Or? Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I was thinking about. Anymore. I was thinking like fish in a barrel, but okay. Fish in a barrel. <laughs> your metaphor. They all work. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So contact tracing. We make it open. Everybody knows what this stuff does. There's no room. There's no funny stuff. There's no room for. There's no wiggle worm. So it's about, so it would be a situation where everybody who can read computer code would understand the process and the flow, but yep. the, the user data would not be open, right? Well, of course not. Yeah. What, <laughs> I'm playing the dumb guy. Yeah, I right. Actually so the, the user yeah, data yeah. would have to be stored in a way that's protected. That's, that's but, the whole idea. The but, stuff that's supposed to be private stays private, and here's the algorithm that makes it work, and the stuff that's supposed to be public becomes public when it's supposed to become public. So here's we the... Have all about who can look at what when. Right, so here's the, here's the problem that I see, right? Mm -hmm. uh, writing the software is one thing, right? Getting the software mm -hmm. written, letting people vet the code and whatever, that's great. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that when someone starts using the code and starts collecting that data, uh, who's the gatekeeper that makes sure that data doesn't later get used to sell things or, you know, and whatnot? Yeah, that's a problem. So the I, there's a there's a um, Mike was sending me sent me a, um, there's a group out of uh, from associated with MIT. I'll find the link in just a minute. They're they're actually building this stuff using an open source model, and there's a whole bunch of specs for how this data is supposed to flow that I haven't gotten into deep yet. But the fundamental thing is the data lives inside your phone. It doesn't live not in some cloud service somewhere. It lives mm. in your phone. If you I get like sick, that idea better yeah. immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have this app, and the data lives inside my phone. If I get sick, I can choose to press some buttons and share that with my doctor who's got who's got the right interfaces. That's the idea. Hmm. And then we have all the HIPAA stuff and all the protections that yeah, go, right. go with that. Hunger, hunger, hippos. Hunger, hunger, hippos. <laughs> hunger, 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 hippo. hippo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the rule is I have to sing at least once per show. Ideally, it's a Disney tune. Double yeah. ideally, it's from one of the Frozen movies. <laughs> Triple ideally, it's done. It's performed by Elsa. But, you know, <laughs> I just fulfilled a soft requirement with the Hungry, Hungry Hippo song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love that idea. Because, uh, you know, I know that Apple, uh, Apple takes a lot of grief from people because of um, some of the decisions in the past and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and not many people know this, by the way, that that OS 10, the original the original 
uh, OS that 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 goes back to was something Apple called Darwin when they first started using the BSD kernel. Mm -hmm. They open sourced Darwin. Like not the GUI stuff, but like the kernel and all the other stuff was open sourced in the nineties when they when they flipped over to Darwin. Mm -hmm. uh, random fact there. But that's not my point. The point is Apple uh, has a very strong uh, stance on user data and encryption, and it's a similar methodology, right? Your 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 iMessages, the Apple's text that you send, are end-to-end -end encrypted and it relies on data that's on my phone and on the receiver's phone, and Apple themselves can't read that data in flight. Yeah. Or even if it's on their iCloud, it relies on keys and stuff that are on both phones that are part of the transaction. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's an amazing thing. It's different, and I, um, I have got a blog post about that, too. Apple Apple went up against the FBI on that issue with, um, yep. when the terrorists in California did those terrible murders. That I... I um, Apple did right. I it was hard, right? Because the law and order, I, yeah, I it was my my personal politics swing more conservative, and mm -hmm. I'm supposed to always be for the cops in that one. I'm like, no, 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 no can't, absolutely Apple not. can't give up. The, Apple cannot break the encryption. They cannot give back doors. Yeah. Um, well, here's I, the thing. There's an yeah. argument about the slippery slope to terrorism with that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that argument is valid. It's a proper argument. And that's the argument that Tim Cook made in his, in his open letter. It's a good argument. But there's another even more powerful argument. It won't, it won't do the job. No. Bad guys already have their own end-to-end -end encryption anyway. Right. So right. if we, if, if we, we, there's only two things you can do to make this, to make this responsible encryption that, that uh, our law enforcement guys talk about, there's only two things you can do. You either weaken the algorithms or you share the keys. That's, that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah. That's the only thing you can do. That's the way the technology is designed. It's designed yeah, to yeah, require yeah. the keys. So it's either, yeah. you either need yeah. to make it breakable, which then everybody can break it, right? Yeah. Or you need to distribute the keys, which makes it useless. Right, exactly. And so you, 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 you spend all these billions of dollars, you build this huge, massive bureaucracy, or maybe you have private companies that do key escrows. If you build all this stuff, bad guys won't use it. They'll just, they'll just roll their mm -hmm. own anyway. So yeah. yeah. It won't, and all it does is make the bad guys harder to find because now you don't have any way to infiltrate. Right. You can infiltrate the all the law-abiding citizens, but yeah, you can't infiltrate yeah. the bad guys. Therefore, right. you right. haven't really gotten right. anything done. Yep. So it's yeah. terrorism and it won't work anyway. So if, if you want to, if you want to do solutions to, to computer crime and child porn and, and terrorism and all that nasty stuff, if you want to solve that problem, let's, let's find solutions that are really going to work and not solutions that, that, um, that, that, that um, pander. Pander. Well, that's go. a good use of the word yeah. pander. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the bears that eat bamboo, right? Pander bears. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And only, only in only in Hellasburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel like I've been personally attacked because now I live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I had some buddies from Harrisburg. Their R's were, were W's were W's and all the all the uhs ended in ers. <laughs> That's awesome. That's not everywhere in Pennsylvania. No, no. <laughs> I've lived in Pennsylvania is a big commonwealth. I'm yeah. basically in western New Jersey. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So yeah. you had a train of thought. It was an excellent train of thought about what, you know, what open source is and why would we need to open source contact tracing? Mm -hmm. So it's a compelling argument that if everybody can understand the algorithm, 
but the data is made private by by well-known encryption routines and and whatnot. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So your your blog is is titled Contact Tracy 1984 or a great tool. What's it going to be? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. so so what are some circumstances where it becomes a nightmare 1984 scenario versus hey it's it's a great tool that's used responsibly. So play those scenarios out for me, G. Scott. The 1984 scenario, I think everybody could already visualize it. Um, I somebody, can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we've, we've developed this application that we want the population to use. We want, we want you to install anybody that has a cell phone. We want you to install this in their phone. We're going to, we're, we, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to compel Google and Apple to integrate this stuff into their OSs. And it's and um, <clears throat> it's just going to work. And it's for your own safety, people. You will install it. And you will not disable it. That's a that's a 1984 thing. I will I will um, I might be one of the first to carry a protest sign <clears throat> if somebody wants me to do an app like that. You want to carry that to its logical extreme. I mean, to its really ridiculous logical extreme. Everybody will implant an RFID tag in their right hand or on their foreheads, and then we'll put RFID readers everywhere. So then we know where you go and when you're there and how long you stayed and all that stuff. It's super easy to track. Mm-hmm. And anybody else that was in that neighborhood, if you get sick, it's easy to find. It's just one big database and, and, some, and some, um, some Boolean logic. So <clears throat> we can, we can, if you get sick, we can track everyone that was close to you. So just just snap in this RFID tag. It's only a few pennies. It's economical. What's yep. the what's the yep. deal? I like your uh, I like your subtle book of revelations reference there. The right hand or the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation chapter thirteen. But I mean the the funny thing is that conspiracy theorists have been talking about that exact same thing forever. I mean just forever. <laughs> there was a there's a company in River Falls, Wisconsin that does vending machines. And the CEO of this company was, 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 and people, the employees of this company proudly injected these things into their body so they could wave their hand over a vending machine and buy stuff. Yep. I, I have a blog post about that too. Yeah. It, I, uh, I, I saw one where they're using it for door access readers as well. It's in your hand. Yeah. You just scan it. In fact, um, folks in the security industry have NFC or RFID uh, implanted in their hands uh, at like DEF CON and whatever. Because they can use that as a place to store data when they're out on a pen or on a pen test engagement, or if they want to scan someone's device or whatever, right? Well, the but, RFID tag is just a simple. It's all it is is a thing with a serial number. Yeah. Well, no, Apple I mean NF, NFC. You can write to NFC, and it, depending on how much storage oh, okay. is in your NFC right, chip, right. you can store a couple k of data. Or there's certain <laughs> exploits for things like Android, or maybe there were at one point where you could put malicious code in that NFC tag. Right. And then when an Android phone gets close to it and scans it, it automatically exploits the phone. Ah, Right. Which is like this is a thing that people are doing because they work in an industry where that is considered a useful tool. Right. Yeah. But um, to to chip the entire public. Right. That's a whole other case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seven billion, seven billion chips. It's you know what it is. It's a super useful tool. (laughs) But um you know, no one's going to put one of those things inside my body. Yeah, right, now, right. And I hope all your listeners, I hope all your all your viewers, I hope the same thing. You just you just don't do that. It's there. Yeah, so the 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 both the flaw and the convenience in contact tracing via a mobile device is that I can leave my mobile device at home, or I can stick it inside of an RF or uh, uh, that's what I'm looking for. One of those. One of those. Faraday. 
a Faraday yeah, cage yeah, pouch, yeah, right? Yeah, so that yeah. it can't read or you can't send or receive any data, right? And these are yep. things that people that are uber paranoid do. They literally do that. They will, if, you know. Yep. If there were some mandatory contact tracing directive, I might consider doing something like that too. Right. But if it's voluntary, if, 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 if it's voluntary and it's open source and it's transparent and they prove to me that I can trust it, then I'll do it so, for my own good. So it would be tough to make it mandatory because it's not mandatory to own a cell phone. Exactly. You no, cannot. That's the yeah. problem, right? And then, and then, of course, you'll get the the uh, the complaints that you know people who are underprivileged can't contact trace, even if they yeah. want to, because they can't afford a cell phone, right? So well, that, that's another issue. The government could always issue one. Yeah, they we've could. Got we've got Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Cell phone. You walk into a Wi-Fi hotspot. Your cell phone ma- ma- identifies itself. There's 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 software. There's software in the controller somewhere. There's a server someplace in the cloud somewhere. You mm-hmm. can you could you could see that happening. I mean, I could, government, I could also imagine cell phones for for um, for people. And even now, I could I could imagine a small pocket-sized device that they could issue as well that just does the contact tracing that you keep in your pocket, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. It's technologically feasible. I'm sure if, the, if, if, if an actual concrete proposal like that came out, I'm sure there would be a lot of, of um, um, intense discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think you guys realize this all feeds right back into the Bill Gates conspiracy that everyone's throwing around right now, right? Oh, yeah. Bill Gates, is <laughs> he's trying to develop a vaccine to take over the world. I've, right. yeah, I've, yeah. Well, the, the problem is this stuff is hard and it's nuanced when you're talking about it among people who actually are technology people. I don't like to gatekeep often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that most people have enough common sense that if you sit down and explain something to them, you can give them enough understanding so that they can understand a concept. That being said, there are some truly stupid people that I'm Facebook friends with that I have had to just outright say, no, you don't understand. This is that's not how contact tracing works, and it's not even live. Here's an actual PC World article written in nice, layman, understandable te- terms that says how this will work. Mm-hmm. And they're still like, well, but, but, but my friend who my, my friend <laughs> yeah. saw this post didn't share. So I figured it had to be true. Right. No, you're an idiot. Right. Yeah, I, and, that, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I had someone block me. But you know what? That is <laughs> that is person, such please. that is such but an I'm, easy I'm trap. It's such an easy trap to fall into. And even it's I've, a trap. Even I've run into it. Right. You, you wake up in the morning. Your your eyes are still pasted over because you were asleep. You pick up your phone to see what came in overnight. Somebody mm-hmm. shared an article that really rings true with your own beliefs, and you want it to be true, so you share it. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. And then yeah. and then you have a dozen people on one side or the other rain down on you with fact check links. <laughs> yeah. Rain down yeah. fire and hell. Bring them fire and hell. Yeah. Okay. And it's Burn like it's like even if you try to be responsible, it's really easy to fall into that, right? So, you know, some people get labeled as, oh, these people are morons, they'll believe anything. But realistically, it's really, really hard. So there's an easy way to prevent that feeling of I'm an idiot because I shared something stupid. And that is you share only memes of the screaming ladies and the cat. There you go. Uh, you share jokes about D&D or whatever the hobby is you're doing. Or you paste po- post pictures yeah. of 
the meat you smoked or screenshots from your Animal Crossing or game of choice. <laughs> you can you can certainly you can certainly play it do safe, that. Yeah. Play it safe, huh? I, I, I Mark, you're not a, play it safe kind of a guy. I I, I, there, I well sometime and sometimes I like to stir the pot, but there's a reason <clears> that my the the cadence of my political post is down to about one every six months. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like you. I because of the circles I run in. I have people who are on extreme sides of both mm -hmm. of the major political spectrums, mm -hmm. yep. uh, including various family members who I love and respect too much to, 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 to end up hating over stupid Facebook stuff. So uh, I just find it's better to not tread in certain waters. And Facebook, to me, I long for the day that I can get off of it, but much like Michael Corleone in Godfather Three, which was itself a uh, uh, a movie that split people, they keep pulling me back. <laughs> so yeah. we were we were about this close to the topic tonight being about how to ditch Facebook, but um, with with the folks the folks who who ended up uh, hosting, which would have just been me and Mark, because I wouldn't have thought of inviting you, Greg, to talk about that. Um, I don't think there would have been much discussion because Mark and I are both in the same boat where we don't really love Facebook, but we're kind of stuck there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but, human uh, nature. It's not a technology yeah. thing. It's a human nature thing. But that, that'll that probably be a future show, folks, when we can get Jason and Charles both on here who have uh, varying levels of success with avoiding Facebook. So, so Greg Scott, yes. give me give me your Minnesota guy observation on the people who are railing against the evil government trying to control with contact tracing when they themselves are feeding the Facebook and social media monster with every detail of their personal life. <laughs> There's got to be a diatribe in there somewhere from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I've, uh, yeah, I, are you a are you a hypocrite if you're a Facebook addict but hate contact tracing? So you know, I put a I put a paragraph about that in my blog post because it just it just oh I it, must have forgotten that paragraph. No, oh, you did not. You you're you're just baiting me because you knew I I said it. Uh, I'll take the credit, but I legitimately right. forgot because I'm old. Oh, okay, and I'm drinking moonshine. Yeah, okay. yeah, old. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you're old. Okay, so um. <sighs> I do have I have I have Facebook friends who who believe um, all across the spectrum, and some of my some of my more conservative friends think that this whole COVID nineteen thing is just a bunch of stuff stirred up by the liberal mainstream media, and a bunch of a bunch of liberal government governors government officials who want to control the population, and so. If they uh, if they had their way, just open everything up. Forget all this quarantine crap. All it all it's doing it hurt is hurting the economy and and turning us into wards of the state and welfare recipients and stuff, which is what they want. And so that's one end of the continuum of the of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is um 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 Donald Donald Trump is a, is an awful human being and anything he says is a lie and 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 um you, uh, and um he all he wants to do is make himself rich and and make his make his rich big company buddies richer and 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 kill all of us poor people by keeping us 
like keeping us isolated from each other. Um, my, I, I, I do have people who haven't thought it through about contact tracing versus sharing all their details inside Facebook. And, um, I might be one of them because I, I share a lot of stuff inside Facebook, but I realize that I choose to share stuff inside Facebook and I try to be careful with what I share because I, I've been, I've been around enough computers that I know if I, if I put some stuff on a website someplace sooner or later, the whole world's going to find out about it. Sure. If, if they no, care, I try, I if try they to tell to, my yeah. scouts and my kids that, once something's on the internet, it's not private. Right. Right. In right, fact, right, my, my right. daughter Maggie was was annoyed because she she felt my wife was stalking her because my wife's on my wife is on her phone looking through Maggie's Twitter account. And she and she's like and and well, she's twenty she's twenty two, twenty three, whatever. <laughs> That's all right. But, she's still mom. Yeah, right. And, and and Maggie's like I should block her. I'm like, okay. But then she gets mad. I'm like, but that's my Twitter account. I'm like, well, but you put it on social media. It's, public, it's doing yeah. exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. be mad that somebody is looking at stuff you've put on social media, especially if you're not blocking them. Yeah. So it, it struck me as funny. And she just was getting frustrated with me because I made sense. My so, daughter is 34 years old. I, I look at her stuff and yeah. some of the things I don't like, I go downstairs and I say, red, get rid of that. And she yells at me and I say, I don't care if you don't like it, get rid of it. So Greg, you, you started going down a path that really resonates with me. And it's really the, the sort of the place that I landed when we talked about it in our last show. And that mm -hmm. is that, yes, there is a lot of my data or a lot of data that maybe I don't even realize is on Facebook, on Facebook, and I've chosen to be there. But the big difference between that and contact tracing is that I've chosen to be there. I've right. chosen to put it there, right? I've put that data out there. Now, yes. Facebook does a lot of tracking and they try to see where you've gone on other pages. And I put in efforts to try to block that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With contact tracing, it's uh, at face value, right? If it's doing exactly what it was designed to do, I think it's a benefit. I think it's a good thing that, you know, you can sort of identify whether you've been in contact with someone who was eventually uh, diagnosed with either COVID or any other disease that's easily transmissible. Um mm -hmm. The thing I worry about is what else happens with that data. And that's, that's, you know, I've, I've, it's this, the same case where I've opted to give data to Facebook and then <coughs> Facebook is using that data for things that maybe I don't agree with. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, a, yeah. it's really the same yeah. deal, except in this case, I think that who you've been in contact with is much, much, much more sensitive than stuff, you know, what websites you visited or where, uh, uh, what you you know what pictures you've chosen to share or whatever, mm -hmm. and Although, it's data about people that's not me, and they haven't chosen to share any of, that, of their their contacts with me, but yet it's out there anyway for anybody to steal. Right. That's 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 why open source. That's why open source is good. That's a that's a have your cake and eat it too scenario if it's done right, and the way you make it done right is transparency and have lots of eyes on that code. And lots of eyes on that code and lots of eyes on the processes for what we do with that data. So it's more, you're right, it's more than just code. There's processes and procedures and stuff like that too. Right. 
Right. Now, if the code's designed to do things like protect that data at all costs and <clears throat> keep it on your local device or until you've chosen to share it, then that's that's actually about as much of a safeguard as you can expect yeah. for that data, yeah. right? Because it's mm -hmm. on your your thing, your device at that point. It's not shared mm -hmm. with anybody unless you choose to share it, which is, mm -hmm. you know, that could be good. So, and I'd want to know, I'd want to know the path to it. What, what directory does this stuff live in on my phone? I would want the ability to inspect it myself mm -hmm. before, before I send it out. I might not care a whole lot, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably want to look at it one, once or twice before, before, uh, using it for real, just, just to make, just proper due diligence. Yeah. And if it's open source, you can <clears throat> probably get that information. Yeah. Yeah. And even, but it'd be the, the data itself, what stuff is on my phone about me? Yeah. And I yeah. Can, but I, I mean, you could you could learn where it is by looking at the code. Is what I'm saying. Sure. You can learn where sure. it oh, yeah. stores yeah. it, what it's yeah. storing, what it's going to share when you try to share it, that kind of stuff. Bonus points if it's documented. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, never, that never happens. No. no, all open source developers are just wonderful at documentation. Right. They live. They live to write documentation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. I think you miss. Uh, you you misspelled. Uh, Terrible there. Yeah, I'm going to go get some green cheese off the moon now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we've talked at length about contact sharing, contact tracing, and yeah. uh, maybe maybe it's time to move along into the next part of the show. What do you think? Works for me. All right. So you probably don't know this, but there's a button I pressed that does some transition music. So here we go. All right. Mark, you gotta dance. I'm just doing the head bob. Okay. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> Party on, Garth. Nate's like, you're not supposed to talk over the music. <laughs> Stop talking oh, over the music. <laughs> Did we violate protocol? Uh, oh. oh, out of the room. <laughs> I don't know if there is protocol. Um, yeah, I don't know anymore. about protocol. I don't know that we have much in the way of protocol here. All right. So, at any rate, uh, let me move along into our middle section of my show notes here. So, in the way of announcements, all I've really got is our usual call out to our patrons, of which there are still 14, and I talked about them in the last show, but I'll run through the whole list again. This is basically people who, who were patrons as of the end of April, which is the last time Patreon actually charged patrons. So, we'll update this list at the end of May. I realize that I'm just basically repeating it if I... Uh, um, if I try to pull the new list every time. Anyway, all right. So uh, thank you to Andy J, who's you know also known as Jason, the co-host. Uh, Mark with a K. Julius Sog WTF, who's a friend from the uh, DefCon Six One Zero group that uh, I help run. Mark with a C, who happens to be. Uh, hi, Mark. Oh hi. <laughs> Uh, Charles, our co-host, Linux666, which is just an awesome name. Uh, Ryan, Jim, Gimpy B, Jason, who's not the co-host. Uh, John22532, who is still our longest-running patron. Thank you for that. And Dementor, who we've had on the show in the past. So thank you all for being patrons. Uh, unless I miscounted, there's 14 of you, and we're making about 70 bucks a month which is uh, pretty good, pretty good. That money is, it now has a destination. I'm starting to save for a new streaming device, a, a mixer that integrates the recorder and the soundboard and whatnot, which should help improve the quality of the show. At least I hope it will. Costs about, I don't know, 500 bucks. So um, 
it's going to take a little while, but I'm contributing a chunk of my own money as well. So it's not just patrons that are paying for it. So uh, that'll be probably in a couple months. I'll be able to afford that thing. We should we should kick some of the thirty four billion from the IBM deal over to it. Totally, yeah. totally. Red Hat should sponsor this podcast by simply yes, buying a that, new mixer. Yeah, we have that money in a pile in a closet somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's exactly where that is. So, thank you again to the patrons. That's cool. Uh, no new reviews this week or these two weeks. Unfortunately, folks, go ahead and review the show. We, we like reading reviews on the show. Um, it also gives us some direction as to whether you guys like what we're doing or not. And that's kind of it for um, announcements. I don't have anything else that's coming up. No events or anything because everything's canceled because of the COVID. <laughs> we have a viewer in chat. We do. We do. Hi, Mark. With Mark a K. with a K. <laughs> uh, hi, Mark. Oh, there you Oh, oh. Beer You're money. my favorite customer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Indeed. Oh, hello, doggy. Actually, you know, you um, we did this. I did this with a customer. You could um, we we have um, monthly what we call KCA lunches. KCA stands for Kick COVID with Attitude, or you can swap in whatever you want to swap in for the A. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, we we do um, we do the tech. We we all eat lunch at at the Texas Roadhouse Steakhouse. And so I've got I've got some guys in Charlotte, North Carolina, and some people in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, I um, I'm in Egan, Minnesota, and I've got another guy in St. Paul, and somebody else in um, Lane, Minnesota, and I think we're going to have some people from California on this next one. They won't so, eat lunch; they'll eat they'll eat breakfast. But, so, do you, know. you all go to a go to your respective Texas Roadhouses and get on a video call? Please tell me that's how this works. Curbside pickup, and we come home and get on a video <laughs> call. That's perfect. <laughs> and, then, and then everybody eats and it's and um red i buy the gift card and turn that into my expenses so that's my restaurant receipt and then oh, everybody, everybody eats cool. everybody everybody charges their food to the gift card so it's a bit it's it's a business lunch it real it's a real business lunch that's pretty cool Legit. that's a good idea that's a good idea i have a blog post about that too <laughs> You, you, I get the feeling that you write a lot of blog posts, man. I try to, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, he's, uh, a, he's a writer for sure. I write, I write, <laughs> don't quite you a, know? I write quite yeah. a bit, but I, it seems like you got me beat. <laughs> one day when I grow up, maybe I'll make money from writing. Maybe one day, maybe there you go, man. Maybe. There's content creation is a very fulfilling, uh, hobby of mine. <laughs> it's not one that pays any bills. <laughs> It's also a ravenous beast that wants to consume whatever it can yes. get its mouth on. Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. And it's, it's as I found out with my with, when I blog for Red Hat, it's like, oh, it's a never it's it's a never ending uh like it wants just wants more content. Well, no, so yeah. the the, yeah. the thing I found anyway is once you've started creating content, you keep finding other avenues to create in, right? Mm -hmm. So like I've got this show I've got writing I do for Enable Sysadmin. I've got writing I do for my own blog. I've got writing I've done for 20 years on my Jeep site, right? And then I've got the the YouTube channel in which I share my my Jeep stuff with the world. Um, and there's probably others I can't even think of at the moment where it's just like once you've found once you once you start making things that people seem to enjoy, it just feeds back into you, and you want to make more. Right. Yep. Yeah. Before yep. you know it, you're just like making stuff everywhere. <laughs> use use fiction to pr to produce truth better than the nose. Yeah. Right. So it's it's almost thankless. Sort of like being a sysadmin. 
which I think <laughs> is what the show is about. <laughs> oh, I got to show you something. I got to, can I, Come can time. I, I got to, you're going to, you guys are going to like this. I got to, sure. I have to, just give me a second here. This is, this is, um, here, this is my, okay. So I, I, Virus Bomb, that's the cover. And it, it, it's kind of a book plug, but it's not really. So um, I, this, this went live in 2019, but it took a long time to write. And so I should show I, and I didn't know what an epigraph was. An epigraph is like a quotable quote, you know, that somebody famous said. Okay. So I made up my, I made up my own epigraph. Let's see if, if there, right there. Can you, is it, is it blurry? It's blurry. I see the word job. <laughs> An IT professional's job is like stocking toilet paper. Nobody cares until there's an outage. That's that's good. That was, that was 2018. That's good. That's and then here's, you're an audience of sysadmins, so then I'll show you the dedication page too. To the to the unsung heroes. There. You know, to I the unsung heroes on the IT front lines who 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 work day and night to keep us safe. May they. May, may we heed their advice. There, just, just listen to what I tell yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, just that's full screen there. There you go. Yeah, so those of you on the, on the stream oh. should be able to see that a little better now. Okay. There. So. There. Oh, very so, cool. Sysadmin should, so if you're a sysadmin, you really, really, really want this book. Yeah, you should go buy, go buy Greg's book. It's totally not totally not a plug but it's a plug <laughs> it's a non-plug plug it's a non-plug yeah, and plug. You, you got, you'll, you'll like jerry barkley too he's a he's a bald-headed independent it contractor from minnesota can you where, believe that where did you get the oh, inspiration for that we don't even know <laughs> any are you um um well jerry jerry okay jerry barkley has a family and his kids are going to grow up, and they're going to have kids, and those kids are going to grow up and have kids. There's going to be a few generations until we get to the 24th century. Theoretically. And, theoretically, yeah. And then there will be kind of a, um, a guy with some quirks who, who does some engineering work on a starship. As <laughs> are people going to call him Broccoli? Possibly. <laughs> This is all in the future, so we don't really know. There's different, different <laughs> that's, in the future. that's a perfect tie. <laughs> oh, uh, so anyway, he will irritate a Klingon security officer <laughs> <laughs> and, and Wesley Crusher. Oh yeah, yeah. Wesley, get off my ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So there are a couple Star Trek references in there. There are. Because no uh, Jerry Barton is a Star Trek fan. As there should be. Yeah, you <laughs> betcha. So at any rate, this is the part of the show where we just talk about things, as you may have noticed. Um, where we chat. Yeah. yeah. Mark, I yeah. see you've you've put something that sounds kind of interesting in the notes about something you've been toying with while you're In these trying times, yes. So... Right before all this junk with COVID went down, my wife and I did a second honeymoon. We did a couple of days down in Disney, and then we did a Disney cruise. This was at the beginning of March before we realized exactly how bad it would be. Uh, and and then in uh, in 2018, I took the whole family, the whole family being my me, my wife, and the four kids to to five days at the Disney parks, and it was amazing. And then we did a Disney cruise in 2019. So, so the point being, I'm one of those guys who's become a bit of a of a of a harder core Disney fan as an adult, 
Uh, let it go. Oh, so anyway, um, it goes. So it turns out there are these, and, and I say lunatic in a good way. There are these lunatics who, um, use this little program called Minecraft that you might've heard of. Maybe. And if, you know, if you've never heard of Minecraft, it's essentially like, think of like it being a, a Lego block game, but you can run around inside of it and you can build whole worlds with bricks. And who am I kidding? If you're listening to this podcast, you know what Minecraft is. Probably. If you don't know what Minecraft is, use use the friggin' Google and find out. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the game just celebrated its 11th anniversary or something. Like Your five-year-old cousin plays friggin' Minecraft on his mom's phone. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. My, so, yeah. That's my, so, my eight-year-old grandson plays Minecraft on his mom's phone. <laughs> yeah, my kids both so, play Minecraft. So, yep. <laughs> but but Minecraft started on the PC, right? Mm -hmm. And and the original Java version uh until it forked when Microsoft bought it, you had just the Java version and now they have what they call the Bedrock version, which is a different engine, which is a gaming which is gaming terminology for all the code in the back that makes it run. But the Java version has always been very uh, friendly to people who want to modify the game. Mm -hmm. they, they can write, they can basically write their own custom uh, graphics and sounds and, and code to plug into the game so that you can have a different experience than the stock Minecraft. Now where I'm going with this is that there are these, there are multiple projects that are actually doing this, but my current favorite one is uh, called MC Parks. And, and I put the link in the show notes. It's mcparks.us. Mm -hmm. They're doing a block-by-block, one-to-one uh, size build of all the Disney parks. So they've got Magic Kingdom. They've got Epcot. They've got Animal Kingdom. They've got Hollywood. They've got the Universal stuff, too, Universal Studios. They've got uh, Disneyland in California and California Adventure, and they're actually operational rides. My like gosh. not all, not not all the attractions are live, but like I can go to Epcot and and go to go to Norway, and that's where Frozen Ever After is, and I can run through the line queue and hit a button <laughs> which will spawn a, a ride vehicle, and I can actually hop in the ride vehicle and sound a soundtrack plays through through a web server if you attach the auto server, which is the the sound the music and sounds from the ride. You can hear the guests who were on it at the time. Wow. And all the stuff on the ride is like animated. Like the the block block figures is like Elsa and Anna and and Sven the reindeer and stuff. And and you basically go on the ride. They got that. They got Pirates of the Caribbean. They got Space Mountain, the 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 Seven Dwarves thing. And and so with with not being able to go to Disney in real life for I don't know how long, a lot of people right. like will use this as a way to kind of visit the park. Well, they have every night at nine o'clock, they have the fireworks show Happily Ever After. Oh my God. Which if you've if you've <laughs> never seen that, if you've never seen that in the parks, it's amazing. They do laser projection on the castle. They they have like the actual characters projected on the castle, <laughs> animation and stuff, and fireworks going along with it. It is unbelievable. They they've recreated that fireworks show down to oh no, they've been going for third. They've been going for over a decade. They're not going to be taken down. Yeah, back. my wife's yelling at me. One second. I see Daniel's <laughs> comment. Yeah. It, it, uh, there's been too much publicity. Disney is not taking them down if they haven't already. Right. 
Right. So, I, so they do the fireworks show. Yes. Well, there's an, there's a, how this fits in. This is cool enough on a monitor. Well, Vivecraft is the, is the, uh, is essentially the, the, uh, the community version of the Minecraft engine plugins <laughs> and whatever into the Java, whatever that, that supports virtual reality. And I have an HTC Vive headset, so I think you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. I can now throw on my headset and ride these rides as if I'm in the park and be lying on my office floor watching the fireworks show every night if I want to. <laughs> and yeah, it's not, I mean, it's it's like I'm there in the sense that the audio is flawless. Yes, it's Minecraft, so it's blocky. But the brain is fooled enough that I find myself having the same emotional reactions to the fireworks show that I have when I'm there. That's pretty <laughs> it's cool. actually pretty cool. It is cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now maybe I'm just going crazy because you know because of the lockdown and stuff. But you know it's. <laughs> well, no, I mean the, the there's a reason that when we got locked down, I started looking at VR headsets because I I I sort of foresaw that we were all going to start going crazy being stuck in the house, and I was thinking especially for the kids who like. Initially, it was like, can they go outside and ride their bikes in the alleyway? Like, that's, I'm not sure. Are, are they going to get, like, are the cops going to come and drag my kids back into the backyard? <laughs> turns oh, out that, turns out that wasn't the case, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but it was a concern I had. But, I mean, virtual reality is a great way to sort of get out of the office that you're in without having to leave the office that you're in, right? So, right. So, and, and so, as a, as a nerd for a long time, you know, the holodeck was always one of my favorite Star Trek technologies, yes, right? Yes, me too. I, that always fascinated me. And not for the Ready? creepy reasons. <laughs> yeah, they were just they were just bonus, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a reason Ready Player One uh, resonated with a lot of people. Yes. And, and virtual worlds have always been a hobby of mine, mostly in the form of MMOs, but I ran a Minecraft server for friends and family quite a few years back. I ran a, a persistent world using Neverwinter Nights back in the early, in the early aughts. Oh. Uh, so, so to me, virtual, virtual reality and virtual worlds have always been a fascinating topic. Yeah. So, so to be able to virtually go to Disney when I want to, even though it's imperfect, mm -hmm. it, it it it's a it's a really kind of cool escape that the technology can can help. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that expensive, right? And I say that as 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 a guy with a well paying job who built a gaming rig with a VR headset. that was probably yeah that was probably <laughs> the gaming rig itself probably set me back a little over two grand a couple of years ago the vr headset with all the accessories that was probably close to six or seven because i got extra stuff with it yeah six or seven hundred but not grand though oh, you can't you know, spend no, six that or seven hundred you can't when spend I, that much when i started looking at vr headsets and decided eventually not to buy one because i thought it would be just too much of an impulse buy um i did go all the way off the deep end and i found these like immersion rigs not quite immersion rigs but where it's like you got this omnidirectional treadmill you stand on and it's got like like <sighs> handrails that you can hold on to and it like it literally you can walk within vr with these things and they were like oh, seven wow. eight grand <laughs> yeah but they were so a, pretty cool <laughs> you i have a piece of software that cost me 15 bucks that integrates with most vr titles that lets me use my my wands to swing my arms to do to do walking and you yeah. just move you walk in place and it feels like you're walking <laughs> That's cool. Uh, uh, so, 
and and some games do that natively too but for games that don't like skyrim vr doesn't support that doesn't do that natively but with natural locomotion i can be running through the world of skyrim and like getting an arm and, workout and at the same time getting an arm workout at the same time and there's something to be said about standing next to like a, a nord warrior and trying to look him in the eyes because he's actually taller than you and you're like wow this is completely different than like being a flat screen experience it's yeah. it's something else right right so that's that's been my cool that's been my i've had a couple of cool escapes <laughs> lately uh there's that and the other favorite thing i've been doing virtually is is obviously the thing that you and i were talking about last time where we're playing D D using mm -hmm. uh using roll 20 that yeah. we did a whole episode about it yeah that we but did. The, we had the third uh the third session this last week right yeah yeah it's a good time yeah and 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 so that was on Tuesday, and it was today I found Gary Gygax's old harlot table that he created for the first Dungeon Master's Guide, which I really could have used on Tuesday because <laughs> of the shenanigans Ryan was pulling. Yes! <laughs> Freaking uh, Sergio. <laughs> yeah, Sergio. Sergio's a bard, and let's just say Sergio rolled a natural 20 when he told me he wanted to go seduce some women, so... Well, the rest of the party was doing important research and trying to figure out how to find these catacombs to to get this to recover this amulet. Sergio was having adventures of a different kind. He was also <laughs> yeah. looking for lasagna, though. And lasagna. He he found a nice <laughs> mutton. He did not find lasagna. Because lasagna yeah. didn't exist in the Forgotten Realms. Or uh, your own world that you've created, either. Nordok is not the Forgotten Realms, but lasagna, as far as I know, exists in neither. But that's fine. Yeah. DMC yeah. takedown in three, two, one. Yeah, well, right. Cause, yeah, because Disney, Disney does sometimes... Uh, Indeed, they do. But the MC Parks has been going for... I think since at least 2013 and they've been featured <clears throat> they've been featured in a lot of places. Hmm. I can't I can't believe the mouse doesn't know about it and just they I guess they just don't see an issue. I'm going to have to check that out and see if my kids my kids will enjoy it, I guarantee. I'll have to check it yeah, out. And you don't need VR to enjoy it. Don't yeah, get right, me wrong. Right, you absolutely all you need is the Java version of Minecraft. That's it. It won't work on devices right that don't yeah, run yeah. the java version yeah no so we, we run the java version because i have i run a server on a base on a, on a machine in my basement so they can right. so they have so their own little persistent world to be doing stuff in without worrying about internet assholes well so, there you uh, go so yeah. so you're already set yeah. i think because you guys just did disney right they'd get a kick out of yeah it. they would that's what i'm thinking i'm gonna have to check this out so I've been doing nothing all that technological. Um, I'm actually in the process of slowly dismantling my Jeep because I have to do some work to the engine. <laughs> Is this the Jeep that the door wouldn't open? when we, Yes. When we, okay. Yes, I fixed that, though. That was a real pain in the butt, too. <laughs> once it stopped it stopped right yeah. so i have to, i have to feel that the mouse knows about it and just isn't stopping it yeah we have I, the hope right yeah but yeah i have the the engine in the jeep has been slowly marking its territory everywhere i go by leaving little droplets of oil everywhere <laughs> oh that's that's bad it's been okay. doing that for a long time and i finally decided you know what i can't go anywhere anyway now's the time to fix them <laughs> <sighs> So yeah, the Jeep is half disassembled and on on mobile <coughs> at the moment. How's <laughs> the door? The door works. I fixed that uh, within a week or so of when uh, when that happened. Oh, that's good. I mean, I kind of had to. <laughs> it, was the, it was oh, the, the driver's side door wouldn't open. Anymore. Oh it yeah, it, I guess it makes it hard out. to get yeah, in and out of the Jeep. <laughs> yeah, that was a good plan. Oh, that's the moonshine. I think I know a guy once almost died in a Jeep. I should tell you, Mike. 
You want you want to hear my Clayton Oosterhouse story? Just because of his name, Clayton yeah. Oosterhouse. I, <laughs> I think, mean, it sounds. I, think I know the villain for my next chapter. It sounds. Not. It's it does does this, Oosterhouse. Does this, yeah. does, this, does this start yeah. out like yeah. a like a rose from Golden Girls story? No, 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 nothing that dramatic. So way, way back, a long time ago when Dirt was young, back in Crawfordsville, Indiana, and I worked at this Chevrolet dealership called Herman Davis Chevrolet, <clears throat> Dan Statler eventually bought out Herman Davis, and Herman Davis retired. But this is this was before Herman Davis retired. He's rambling already. He is. Yeah, I know, even first sentence. <laughs> We have the whole lineage of these people now. Yeah, he's, to- <laughs> he's totally iron sysadmin material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway. we have this. Yeah, we have the Chevrolet dealership in Crawfordsville, Indiana, and there's a cleanup shop in Ladoga, Indiana, about thirty miles away. Because everything Ladoga, Ladoga, it was thirty miles away. Yeah, all right. Everything's thirty miles away from everything in Indiana. And, and, uh, so that, that's part of what got me through college was parking was if, when you line up used cars in the parking lot and they're different makes and models and stuff, and you want the cars, you want the rows to be straight. The way you do it is you line up the door locks, mm-hmm. all the Makes door sense. locks. Line, yeah. Cause the bumpers are going to, everything's going to be different because they're different makes and models. So you line up the door locks and that's how you get the row straight. It takes a while to, to, to get that down, but you look down and make sure the door locks line up. So part of my, part of my job was when these used cars came in, part of my job was to drive the car up and down the street and and get a feel for what's wrong with it and then ride it up for the mechanics to go fix. And so I drove some pretty cool cars. There's some Corvettes and different things like that. But then the other part of my job was we would caravan to the cleanup, to the cleanup shop in Ladoga where they would detail the cars, vacuum up all the kids' crap and whatever else is in the – just clean up all that stuff and get the car ready for sale. So And Dick, Dick Dale was the used car manager – and we were on a caravan to Ladoga one day, and Clayton Oosterhouse was in front of me in a Jeep. Clayton Oosterhouse. Clayton Oosterhouse, yeah. And this got big, to Clayton, okay. Yeah, yeah this is how Clayton right. in. We've met a half a dozen other people so far <laughs> whose names Greg remembers perfectly. <laughs> I can't remember what I had for lunch today, but he remembers names from however many decades ago. Well, you'll know. You'll get like Clayton Oosterhouse. It's hard to forget him. He he. Well, with he a did, name like that, yeah, yeah, that was part of it. And, and uh, he had, um, he had a, a unique personality. He was one word. Much like his name. Yeah, and I had to help him read, but other than that, he was pretty good, except, except for reading and writing and stuff like that. Other other than that, he was he was okay. And he had some strong opinions about stuff that that we talked about every once in a while. If he yelled at the car loud enough, he thought he could make it start. How and, do you feel about five G? <laughs> <laughs> there was barely touch tone phones were a big deal in that era. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway. in those days. I don't know if Clayton's still alive or not. You know, I he was he was on a path or he wasn't gonna live as many years as me. And so so we um on Ladoga Road there's these S curves. So we head out we head out towards Ladoga and left these S curves left and right. This was in January. And um um, Clayton's in front of me in a Jeep. I'm following behind the Chevy Monza and Dick Dale's behind me in a Cadillac because Dick is the used car manager. So he always drives a he nice is, car. He had the know. Cadillac. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had the Cadillac. Funny how that works. So we, we, we go around these, we come around these S curves, 35, 40 miles an hour, something like that. And the rear end broke loose on this Jeep and it swung, it's went around 180 degrees and it smashed into a snowbank on the side. 
And then there was a snow explosion. And the Jeep <laughs> came out the other side of the snow explosion and bounced upside down on its roll bar. It hits the roll bar. There's a reason they have those. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right. It hits the roll bar, flips in the air, and lands on its wheels on top of William, on top of the sign, on top of one of those metal signs that says, William's Pipeline, don't dig here. <laughs> Natural gas and stuff. Wow. And, and so... I thought Clayton was as dead as could be. So I pulled up behind, I run through the snow and I, and I roll down the window, Clayton, 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 are you all right? And he's, he's, he's on the driver's side. He's got one leg like this over in the passenger side, his arms are sprawled out and the other leg like this kind of stuck on the dashboard and the glass is all around him. Clayton, Clayton, are you all right? And I grab him a shake and he opens one eye and he says, Oh, well, I can't repeat what he said, but he said, Oh, F word. And so then, <laughs> Then I knew it was okay. He walked away. He wasn't even hurt. His yeah. brain, he wasn't even hurt. Didn't He wasn't hurt at all. I mean, he's lucky, right? Because oh, yeah, that's if, one word if for you're it. talking about the era of Jeep that I think you're talking about, they were really easy to spin and really easy yeah. to roll over. <laughs> 1979. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's more to this. Um, we towed the Jeep the rest of the way to the, to the Ladoga car shop. Now, was this, was this, a, this is a customer's huh? Jeep? No, it was a, well, it used to be. It was a, it was going to be, right? it, it was, was sold. It was sold to the dealership. You weren't taking it for service or something. No, it was, yeah, it was a trade in. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, at the time the Jeep belonged to the dealership. It right. was a trade. Okay. Okay. Makes it a little better. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, well, they, they fixed it. They brought it back to the dealership. I parked it on the used car lot where it sat till, till that summer and they couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it. So finally cars. They knew it tried to kill Clayton Oosterhouse. Yeah. It's cursed. <laughs> it's a yeah. cursed Jeep. <laughs> so you had to drive it to the auction in Indianapolis. We were in Crawfordsville, Indiana. I had to drive that stupid Jeep to the auction in Indianapolis. And the whole that, time you're picturing it's going to end up on its roof any second, any second. Oh, you, well, it was a windy day, you know. You're holding yeah. the steering wheel straight, and the wind goes blast. And yep. the, and the, the Jeep, and the, the, the go Jeep goes, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know. And, <laughs> The steering was loose too, so you, you could go like that with with the steering wheel, but the wheels and the wheel wheels on the road wouldn't do anything. Go like uh -huh. that. Yeah. There's there's a there's a meme that floats around the Jeep groups every so often, and it's just a picture of a Jeep driving down a highway, right? And I think there's like a, a police car behind it or something. And it says, "Honest officer, I haven't been drinking. It's just a windy day." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 60 minutes oh, Ooster House. on Jeeps right around that same time when they showed Jeep going around the corner and the one wheel lifting off the side. So I, yeah, so that was, that was Clayton Oosterhouse. And that's why I remember his name because he was, he was a colorful character and he, and he lived, he lived to tell about that story. That's good. Can we use that? Can we use Oosterhouse as the code, as the uh, code name for our next version of REL maybe? Yeah, sure. We have to. For me, yeah. <laughs> we have Ooster to house. now. It's it's Ooster House. Is it is Rel it O O O S T E R? <laughs> I'm not sure he ever knew how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I said it, but he, yeah, it he has to design his name, and it would be an X. Just <laughs> O O X. <laughs> Make your mark. Make your mark, Clayton Ooster House. All right, so I think. Uh, with with uh, the story of Clayton Neusterhaus, we're going to move along into the news. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, more music. I got to shut up. Don't talk to the music. Stop talking, Greg. Can I play drum? <laughs> Nate's going to ban us. <laughs> I don't have any rhythm, I've been told. <laughs> mm.
Okay, so our first news article for, the, for tonight is from Dark Reading, and uh, the title of the article is Cloud Security Architect uh, Proves Hardest InfoSec Role to Fill. So anybody out there who wants to get into InfoSec and knows the tiniest little bit about the cloud should go totally label themselves a cloud security architect and start putting in job applications because apparently it's a hard role for people to fill. <laughs> wow. But isn't that how horrible things happen? Because people who don't know what they're doing end up in a position. It is totally yeah. a horrible thing. But I mean, if, if a company won't vet you before they hire you, then that's their own fault, isn't it? How'd you like so, to be the cloud security architect for say Capital One, say? Oof. Yeah, right. So, so I'm, if we're doing honest confessions, and I don't know if we are, but I'm going to do an honest confession right now. Go right ahead. Um, the idea of working and being responsible for security as like my job is absolutely terrifying to me. Oh, like being being <laughs> any sort of manager of infosec of any kind. Yeah, I, so, I I would have to seriously reconsider before transitioning to that as my career. So when when I was still at the college and I felt like my career there was not going anywhere. I mean, it was still going, but I was not as interested as being in being there as I used to be for various reasons. Um, I, I saw really one path ahead of me, and that was I was going to try to get into InfoSec. Um, and and so, yes, I, I completely understand the sentiment you have there. Because, but InfoSec fascinated me, and it still kind of does. Oh, um, it's fascinating. But, yeah. but being the fall guy, because that's what I, I've seen. Well... There's, mm -hmm. there's, companies I've been at. There's many different facets of infosec. There's red team. There's blue team. You know, and it's it's there's lots of things you can do that don't have that weight of responsibility that you're describing. Okay, I'd have to do um, one of those. But um, obviously, as it turned out, this guy that I know had this idea that I was going to go work for Red Hat. And here I am. So <laughs> he sounds like an ass. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Just like imagine what the college thinks of that guy. <laughs> Horrible things. Yeah. He probably likes show tunes too. Probably. <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? So at any rate, that's that's part of the reason why this show has, you has sort come of and a, play. <laughs> has sort of a bend okay. towards security because both Jason and I are fascinated with inf with information security. So anyway, yeah, um, I, it is fascinating. I just would never want it to be my job, right? And apparently, a lot of people feel the same way because they're having a hard time filling these infosec roles, right? So I guess the question is: Is it hard? Is it because people don't want to do the job, or is it because it's a specific skill set that's hard to fill? Right. I don't know. <laughs> is it is it the whole must have 10 years of Java programming experience when Java was two years old type of situation? Yeah, right. So there it could be. I mean, it could be. I know that InfoSec is a pretty hot job market, or at least it was as little is as it six like, months ago. Is it like we want to hire OpenShift professionals, but there just aren't as many OpenShift professionals as there are job openings for them? Well, that's how InfoSec was at one point. Um, which is, again, one of the reasons I thought it might be a good career move. But, uh, but yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the article goes into a lot of sort of roundabout information about how the cloud is, like, totally important and not a lot of people are securing it and it's complex and whatever. And that's about all I'm going to say about that. So, uh, cloud security architect, go, uh, go become cloud security architect certified and you can go find a job, according to Dark Reading. 82, yeah, 82% of respondents prefer to hire candidates with security certifications. Yeah, so, you know, so obviously that, the fix here is that we need another certification that's for cloud security architects, specifically that, and then this won't be a problem anymore. Yeah. So so maybe what that says is 18% of respondents are idiots. 
Could be. <laughs> Go find a Chinese website and study the answers. You too can be certified for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Depending anyway. on where you're getting certified from. Yeah. Don't let me get cynical on you. Yeah. Right. Let's no, get I, cynical. I have a. Cynical. I have a We're certain. A certain hatred towards certification, unless it's a practical exam, which, as we know, the, uh, the Red Hat exams yeah, the Red Hat are all nice good. and practical, which I like. Yeah, yeah. But let's not be oh, let's not be total fanboys here. No, but <laughs> I've I've said I actually, a, I've said a number of times, even before I worked for Red Hat, that I thoroughly enjoyed taking my my Rel six RHCSA oh. and CE exams because they were just like I get to sit down and solve problems, and no services are on the line. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a, my my Rel five cert. I was when I when I passed that, I was like king of the world, man. Yeah, I was like Leonardo DiCaprio, and the ship didn't sink. Right, right it was awesome. Right, <laughs> I remember. I remember and that was before I was that was before I was a hatter. Um, right, right. Yeah. Are but, there any? Are there other industry certs that are practical? Or uh, well, it depends on. I mean, th there are lots of infosec cert, cert yeah certifications I mean, that are very. Pilot by passing a multiple choice test. So you probably yeah, have right, to right. Well, not pilot. I mean, IT. Wait, you know. Oh, IT. Oh, yeah. No, there are there are infosec exams that are very practical. That are very much. Uh, what's the name like, of the word I'm thinking of? Break into this box. No, like, like seriously, you have to write exploit code during your yeah. exam in you order pass, to pass the you, exam. <laughs> yeah, you pass. You pass by breaking into this box and typing in the twenty-digit code. Yeah, right. You're like it's one. It's the answer sheet has one box to type in the twenty-digit code at that you need to break out of this box. Yeah, I I'm, think that would be an awesome exam. For for some oh, reason, I'm I'm having trouble remembering the the name of the cert. It'll it'll come to me eventually. But their tagline is "Try harder." Hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So at any rate, look, yeah. Uh, our next article is from The Verge, and uh, is Google finally managing its messaging mess? And I was really hoping that this was going to be an article about Google is Chat. Is this about emoticons? I was really hoping it was going to be about Google Chat, because I know you have feelings, Mark, about Google Chat. Oh, it's a garbage <laughs> fire. It's a garbage fire. I've said what I think it is, right? It's a, yeah. It's some intern's project that was half finished and google just said ah push it to production but it's, and now i have to use it at work it's it's not about emoticons either or uh, emojis it's it's actually there's a whole lot of analogies to charlie brown kicking his football and lucy pulling it out from uh, <laughs> from in front of him uh which fills up a whole lot of the article which is kind of disappointing but it's actually about um google trying to solve the sms versus rcs Problem. So I don't know if you're familiar with what RCS is, but it's it's a replacement for SMS messaging, um, which is end-to-end -end encrypted, and a number of other good things. Like you get an iMessaging. Like you get an iMessaging, yes. Hmm. In fact, iMessage might even be RCS. I don't know. I don't know enough about iMessage to know that. All I know is that when the messages are blue, they're encrypted. When they're green, they're just regular SMS. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes sense, though. So it's hmm. basically when you're chatting with another iPhone user that they're encrypted. Yeah, when the messages are blue, it's safe. You can talk yeah. about anything you want. So they they may if be RCS. Green, you gotta you can't talk about the anarchist cookbook when they're green. Right, <sighs> the anarchist cookbook that brings back memories. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. Uh, so um, 
But this is basically, so carriers, of course, have to support RCS in order for RCS to work end to end. And your, your, your platform, which in this case, they're talking about Android, has to support it in order for it to be end to end encrypted. That makes um, sense, right? And this is basically, uh, they, they claim that this is because there's so much more attention to messaging security because of the pandemic. But I don't know. I think this is really, this was coming anyway. Um, so, yeah. Google is trying to tackle the RCS problem. Um, I'm going to admit that I read about a third of the article <laughs> because no. I really got put off by all the stupid Charlie Brown references. <laughs> so if you want to know more about it, uh, a little more in depth, go read the article. It's from The Verge. Like I said, it's in the show notes. And apparently because I got all of our news from The Verge, uh, the third article for tonight is also from The Verge. <laughs> oh, juicy. This one sounds like fun. Arizona sues Google over claims it illegally tracked the location of Android users. Now, let's face it. It's a contact you, tracing thing right there. If you have a smartphone, it is constantly calculating where you are. There's no yeah. two ways about it. Apple or Android doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I am kind of curious uh, why this is targeted directly at Google. They're basically calling out how services like the weather app on your Google device is constantly checking your location. Oh, it has to. Exactly. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> you want it to. I don't want Nazareth's weather like, when I'm in some other state. Right. It's like, yeah. I don't want Google to know where I am. I just want turn by turn directions from where I am to where I'm going. Yeah, I, right. I don't well, know. No, but that, well, no, but that goes back to Nate's point. Actually, I do want Google to know where I am when I'm running maps, I, it, it, there's implied consent there. Yeah. Right. I act, And what I used to do, and I still do this just out of habit, is I turn off location services for the app unless it's running, mm -hmm. mostly to save battery life. Yeah, I had to do that. With, I had to do that with my old phone. Yeah. Uh, and it just became a habit. I'm like, I don't want to burning my data because my fan, I, I have a separate plan for my work phone and I don't have unlimited data. Because I guess, you know, barbarian here. <laughs> um, so be, to save data and to save battery life, I just, it, my apps are only allowed to use the location when they're being run. So, so every time I, but I open Google Maps, I expect it to know where the hell I am. I right. check the weather, I expect it to know where I am. Right. So that's the consent. <clears throat> yeah. So the thing is, something like the weather app is constantly updating. I mean, at least on Android, which, you know, like right here, hold on, like right there, the top of my screen that you probably can't see um, mm -hmm. is the temperature and whatnot, because it knows where I am and it knows what the weather is supposed to be near me. Right. So that means that it's constantly pulling my my location. At least I assume that it is. I would expect it to be, because if I go to a different town or whatever, I would expect it to automatically update based on my location and not just be like, oh, you've, you you just spent three hours on an airplane and now you're halfway across the country, um, but I'm still showing you the weather on your home screen for Pennsylvania. Like, that wouldn't make sense, right? So I think there's a certain expectation that, yes, your phone is tracking where you are. Um, what it's doing with that data, I guess, going back to our previous conversation, is the important thing. Mm, and yeah. I, think, I think that's the point they're trying to make. The they They're accusing Google of doing things with that data uh, other than just show you the weather. Now, it doesn't, I don't know that this article goes too deeply into what exactly it's they think it's doing with that data. 
Yeah, we all and we all know they're they're aggregating it and monetizing it. You are the product. I think, yeah, yeah. Right? That's yeah. what you're, Facebook says. You are the product. Customer, you're raw material. That's right. Right. So we're you're a resource. Right, Greg? Your favorite thing. You're a resource. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. I'm a person, not a resource. So, the, the, you ever want to get you ever want to get Greg going? Talk about like layoffs and stuff in terms of resources. <laughs> oh, it pisses him off. <laughs> so the I, thing I the thing I don't really have an answer to is I mean, how how can you possibly expect to use a smartphone and get away from this problem? You know, like yeah. Unless you're going to pay a yeah. subscription fee, you can't. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Well, even even still, it it doesn't matter whether it's Google or Apple. Apple's doing the same thing. Well, again, it depends what they're doing with the data. Apple has taken a stance yeah. where they side with the user and protecting their privacy. Google obviously doesn't really have that stance. <laughs> your phone, your phone knows where it is. Yeah, my my phone knows it's here in my hand right here. That that part we're all okay with. The part we're not all okay with is my phone. My phone is telling Google every few minutes where it is. Right. So Google knows where I am. Google does not need to know where I am for this phone to do turn by turn directions. Right. But but that's the price I pay, so that so that I can get turn by turn directions anytime I want, without right. Speed. But so but the, if I, but if I'm the if I'm the Google, I'm sorry, Nate. No, no, go if, ahead. You you started before if, I was. If talking. I'm the Google Maps guy, I'm going to say, actually, Greg, I do need to know where your phone is because we aggregate the data of where the phones are to try and figure out traffic volume so that we can give you better turn by turn directions. Right. Yeah. How do you how do you think Google Maps knows the roads busy? Pixies. Yeah. Right. Well, no, there's there's totally Google Pixies that fly around. And look at the traffic. Isn't that how that works? That's how they get it all might, the street yeah, view pictures. Uh, sure, Nate. That's, that's all the that's the drones. The drones do a couple of things. <laughs> the drones check the take pictures of the traffic, so Google Maps knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they spray chemtrails yeah. on the population to keep uh -huh. them to keep them addicted to social media. And they yeah. broadcast five G. And they broadcast five G to turn the frogs <laughs> gay. Come on. <laughs> And they accidentally set. They accidentally changed the five G frequency from turn frogs gay to cause COVID nineteen. Yeah, there they, you go. Yeah. A, a guy admitted that on Facebook. He was a he was a Verizon technician. He admitted it. Oh, yeah. Really? I hadn't heard that. That's breaking news yeah. right there. It was breaking news. Came right from the he, he turned the dial from make frogs gay to cause COVID nineteen wow. <laughs> on the five G control towers. Yeah, well, that's you got a point though about knowing, yeah, knowing where the traffic is. That's as that's as good of a source as any. And, and I like that because I hate traffic. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Really, I want the Google to tell me go this way instead. <laughs> oh, I, I hate traffic. I live for waiting in traffic. If I can wait in line at the DMV, that just makes my day. And then, I, and then waiting in a traffic jam on the way, it just doesn't get any better than that. I knew there I was like something you weird about that. you. <laughs> so um the the thing i was trying to say earlier when when mark and i tried to talk over each other was um this Sorry. isn't this isn't new right so your cell provider slash back in the day pager provider could locate your pager based on what what um towers it's pinging off of right so this isn't a new problem i remember um i knew a girl back when i was in high school her parents bought her a pager, right? And she's all excited that she bought a pager. The reason they bought her that pager is because she had a habit of running away and they wanted to be able to find her. <laughs> oh. Right? So 
The phone company has been able to get this data for a very long time. It's just all of a sudden now it's in, it's in front of you because there's a display on yeah, your smartphone yeah, yeah. that says you're right here, right? So all she has to do is turn her pager off. Oh, yeah. She figured that out pretty quick. Yeah. Trace the call. Trace the call. Not a fool. Keep them on the line. Yeah. Trace yeah. the call. She was not a good influence on my life. But anyway, <laughs> I know that I, I know I, I, I know the feeling. Right, right. So looks like I have a visitor again. When you're finished, can you help me download this since it's free? Okay, I will help you with it in a little bit. We're almost done. Okay, come on. <laughs> no, go back over to mine. Okay. Speaking of Android devices. <laughs> yes. So anyway, on to the next article. Which is Dang. also on the bed <laughs> from the verge. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, this is actually. I, I have some feelings about this one. Um, Google search results will take the will take page experience into account next year. So um, the gist of this article is that Google is going to start ranking your site in Google search results based on the page experience. And there's a number of things that go into that. One of the, like things like page load time and whatnot, and I, I assume accessibility and whatnot. Ooh. So these are all things that are going to be theoretically starting to go into um, uh, ranking your page in Google, Google results, results. So you may have very uh, relevant data based on what people are searching for, but you may not get, get listed at the top of the results uh, unless your page is also accessible and loads fast and whatever. Oh, I learned a I learned a tough lesson about page load speeds. <clears throat> if you're if you're using if you're if you're using the Divi WordPress theme, there's a there's a there's a little slider on off deal about static static CSS, mm -hmm. and you really 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 want to turn on static CSS to help your page load time. So if anybody out there is running a Divi website, make sure that static CSS is turned on, except when you're doing development work, then turn it off. But when oh, it's, yeah. When it's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's there's certainly things you can do to make your page load faster. The thing that I have feelings about is um, the web was sort of designed to be an open play field, open playing field, level playing field, you might even say. Right, not anymore, yeah. where not anymore. where yeah. anybody can anyone who has an opinion on something or anyone who has information they want to share can put it out there on the web, and I feel like this ruins that. <sighs> you, <laughs> I mean, yes, there's other things that have already ruined that, but yeah, but okay, yeah, it's just yeah, one more nail yeah. in that coffin. So, um, um, I'll just challenge you a little bit on that. You you remember the pandemic thing that went around two or three weeks ago yeah, whenever yeah. It was. yeah that lady proved to be less than reliable Never. every Never. everybody yeah um everybody everybody greg starts a flame or greg starts a flame or, okay. <laughs> i didn't watch the video uh, i i'm assume I, people i respect say it's hooey so i'm gonna assume it's hooey i i, I watched it I did I watch it. Yeah, I watched it. And I got to say that it was produced in such a way that it, it felt believable. So I can understand why people are yeah. believing it. Yeah, it was it was well done. It was good quality video. It was interviews. It even and she she dressed nice. It even had it even had poses of both the both of them walking through a, uh, an office building. Oh, yes, very believable. Yeah. 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 It, it looked great. It was bullshit, but it looked great. Yeah, it, correct. 
yep. just proves yep. that yeah. anybody yeah. with uh, with yeah. Adobe Premiere can make a decent uh, decent looking video. Yep. And it, and it, and she and said stuff from someone who claimed to be a former insider who knew who knew Fauci and knew all the players who are yep. today shots with this scientist there when it yeah. started this and, and it, 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 it was it was a it was a believable story and anyway and, you're going somewhere with this yeah I, Greg's always going somewhere yeah <laughs> usually it's usually it's crazy i'm i'm yeah <laughs> people say greg what state do you live in and i usually say confusion but that's different but i'm bumped bump. so but so but this lady's book rocketed to number one on the Amazon bestseller list because of that movie, because of that BS that she spread, but it looked good. And you, so that you, you're not suggesting that she did this to sell books. Do you? Would I suggest such or a are thing? You? That's the word I'm trying to say. Let me, let me put it a different way. I, I, I wrote a blog post. about. <laughs> I'm going to change my marketing. <laughs> I, for, forget everything I said about my books before my books tell you stuff that they don't want you to hear. Right. <laughs> them yeah yeah there's two classes of people in this world there's us and them and you don't want to be one of them the so, lizard people yeah right right all right so, the, so the, anyway this lady makes this video and it creates this huge firestorm around the world like boom like all of a sudden go search for it now you you won't find it in any research results anywhere that's because they that's the because website. they're stifling the truth the truth <laughs> people <laughs> yeah yeah them again right yeah right. yeah anyway so this thing about about google and the page experience and stuff like that that doesn't feel it just it doesn't feel like a big deal to me because because there's already so many so many so many impediments out there for who gets visibility and who doesn't it's no yeah. different yeah. than the rest society i i still feel like it's just one more thing right that makes it one harder thing, yeah. it makes it harder for that guy who just wants to run a run a machine in his basement uh to share his cat pictures on his own his own server or Me, his, wow. his or her uh, own server i should say um yeah. because that that's a thing that I, that's how i got started right i had a machine in my parents basement that i ran a web server on the website was horrible it looked ugly nobody probably ever wanted to visit it but yeah the yeah the animated gif of the under construction guy that was probably there at one point. I read a website the, in my basement to this very day, right? That, that this my website, my it's in my basement. That, right. So I mean the 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 point was that if I had some useful information on my site that someone mm -hmm. searched for, they had sort of equally amount uh, of chance of finding my page as they would, you know, somebody else who maybe had a much better machine or a much faster loading website or a much cleaner looking website that might have had the same data with a different viewpoint, right? And that's that's slowly going away, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there was a point when a search engine was literally just a thing that returned results. It didn't try to rank them. It didn't try to find relevance. Now, I get it that there's value in all of those things, um, and the Internet's probably a better place for it. But I just feel bad for 19-year-old me <laughs> who would have been fighting this, right, to try to get his website up and running. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoast, Yoast is helpful, and then that other that other one I haven't looked at yet. There, um, um, I forget the name of it. That one's supposed to be helpful too. What are these uh, site? Yeah, no, like um, Yoast SEO. It's a WordPress plugin, and there's a whole oh. Yoast has a whole a whole website with a bunch of free SEO stuff. Yeah. Search 
optimization stuff. Right, but so so basically what it's turning into is who can craft the best SEO, not who has the most relevant data. Yeah. Right? So like it's been that way for, but it's been that way for yes. at least 10 years. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. But our we're the um the era the era of the innocent internet ended a, a long time ago. Probably a long time ago. It's and it's sad. Billion, billion people connected to it, and some of them are bad guys, and and it's just human nature again. Yeah. So our next article is not from The Verge; it's from Forbes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, I don't know. That's, some people that's have, some dumb blog site, isn't it? Some people it used have to be feelings. Respectable magazine. Some people have feelings about Forbes. One of which might be on the show right now. Maybe. <laughs> And uh, I did read this article, but to be honest, I've it's like left my brain at the moment because it's that good. Um, basically, the 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 title is Google just gave millions of users a reason to quit Chrome. And um, <coughs> in summary, that reason is uh, in the first paragraph here. In a bold new report via ZDNet, Google engineers have revealed that unsafe code within Chrome is responsible for 70% of its security vulnerabilities and 125 of the 130 critical bugs found in the browser over the last year. Now, hang on. I'm going to stop you before you respond. Aren't all security vulnerabilities and all critical bugs related to bad code? Unsafe code? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that kind of a broad statement? This is a surprise. Remember when, when we used to read articles like this about Internet Explorer and Chrome was the was the new kid Chrome on the block? Chrome was the answer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I still use so, Firefox. So they 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 pull a they pull a uh, pick your politician of choice here and blame something ridiculous. By the way, I don't oh, know really? if that paragraph. Do tell. the engine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read the paragraph. And just let the stupidity wash over you. Tell me. <laughs> the engineers specifically lay the blame on C and C++, okay. 48 and 35-year-old programming languages, respectively. So somehow an old programming language is inherently bad, yeah. which I mean, it could don't co- they don't come with restrictions or warnings to prevent or alert developers when they're making basic memory management errors. <laughs> These early coding errors result in memory management vulnerabilities being introduced in applications. So because you have stupid developers, that's somehow C's fault? Totally. It's totally C's yeah. fault. Oh, so yeah. basically C and C plus us don't have the guardrails that they expect life to have is what you're no. saying. <laughs> so apparently you're dealing with idiot programmers who learned on Java or something and then never re- learned how pointers work. Or, or whatever, and and now they have to deal with the big boy programming language, and they're in trouble. Uh, you mentioned politics, though. Uh, I was gonna make a I was gonna oh. make a crack that I'm just not gonna make for, <laughs> okay. because the same the same gland that stops me that stops me right as I'm about to do a Facebook political post kicked in, <laughs> and I'm like don't get, don't go there. So it's probably a good idea. But that, that paragraph on its own is ridiculous enough without it having is. to draw analogies or metaphors. It is. Blame blame C. Blame C. Yeah, they don't they don't do comments on that on those articles. Huh. Uh, Were you about to leave a comment? Oh, I was thinking about it. Hi, this is Greg hosting on the, the Engine Sysadmin podcast. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> some of that angry typing that we're talking about. Your article is stupid. Bye. <laughs> so basically, this this whole thing is a smack on C and C plus plus, and gushing about Rust, which is obviously which is what they're saying Firefox is written in, a safety focused programming language. I guess it wears a mask, he which might. is specifically designed to and be memory safe. They should do this all the stuff with Deck Fortran. So, I mean, here's, here's the thing, though, right? Playing devil's advocate for a second. If you have a programming language that has guardrails that prevents you from writing bad code, doesn't that mean that it could theoretically produce a better product? Right? So, so, so better is subjective. So, what's, what's one thing that I... There's a couple things I remember when Chrome hit the market. Uh... And one of the things that I remember being a big deal about Chrome was its performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So, right? It, it's fast. It's a fast browser. So, so programming languages, yeah, there are safe programming languages. There are programming languages that don't let you have that don't allow you to have the shenanigans that C and C have. Instead, you get something like Java, which every so often slows everything down with a garbage collection because it has to clean up after all those allocated bits of memory that the programmer doesn't have to worry about, but eventually the piper must be paid, right? Right. So every programming language has its advantages and disadvantages. In my day, the (laughs) argument was, do we use an interpreted language, which allows for very fast debugging, or a compiled language. Right. The compiled language is hard, and it, you have, it has to run through the compilation process, and then you can't... The, 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 the code that's running is machine code as opposed to the source code, which is the <laughs> same code I'm looking at and can debug live, but the interpreted code was slower. And this was like basic and Pascal on the Apple II. Right. So, so every programming language does come with its pros and with its cons. So, but what I'm seeing here is that if if you're con- if you're a programmer, if I'm going to call myself a programmer, it is my responsibility to understand the tools of my trade well enough that I don't write bad code. Right. There's a reason the Linux kernel is written in C and not in Rust or uh, or Java or <laughs> Ruby or some other language. Yeah. If, if you're a welder, you should be able to make a strong weld with the cheap little crappy welder that you can buy at Harbor Freight or the $10,000, you know, ESAB or whatever, right? right? Because you're supposed to be a professional. Yeah, I get the point. This paragraph doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't just bothers me. It doesn't What what memory management errors are they talking about? Well, Am I calling some illegal address somewhere. Am I taking a big page fault? So, so, so you, down stuff. So, have you have you programmed in C, Greg? And this is not me being a, sm- a smart ass. Have you programmed in C? No, I ever. I haven't. So the concept, and I'm a terrible C programmer, and I haven't in years. <laughs> but my, but one of the thing, uh, one of the things you're supposed to do is you're supposed to use the malloc command to allocate memory, memory allocation, and you're supposed to clean up after yourself when you're done. Uh, right. Uh-huh. Also, you can play games in C where a pointer, a point, a, a pointer is essentially a kind of variable that points at a memory address. Mm-hmm. So the contents of the pointer are not the data you want. It's right. actually the memory location where the data you want lives. Yep. So yep. you can perform, you can make a mistake and a bug can involve, for instance, acting on the contents of the pointer itself and manipulating that rather than the actual data you're trying to get to. 
Yep. And that's, that's, for instance, how the pointer can suddenly point to an invalid memory location because the programmer screwed up and made a mistake. Right. It's also, and the, and when you're not, when you're not allocating and deallocating memory properly, that can lead to like bugs around memory leaks. Okay. All right. Well, the, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. so memory. So it's, so I have a, I have a, a, a TAM customer. That's just lazy programmers. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I have a Tam, I have a Tam customer who his passion, one of his passions is cars mm-hmm. and he is passionate about manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. He believes that that is the best way to operate a vehicle because it gives you the most control and the most accuracy and everything else. He sounds yeah. like a smart man. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and I I used to drive stick all the time and my wife never learned and so all my cars are now automatic and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can make the argument that today's automatic transmissions are super smooth, they're super great, they're awesome, but and reliable. And reliable. <laughs> they didn't used to be. <laughs> they didn't used to be, right? But it it's they're like a modern language with all the safety rails stick shifts you can do crazy things with a manual transmission but you can you can have better performance of the vehicle and that's like programming in, in c or c plus plus right you can do things like skip a gear or downshift quickly or whatever where the where the automatic transmission won't allow you to do that yeah no no it won't let you do that at all you want you want to know how to teach people about indirect addressing this is the sure thing in the world you um i i did this i i Put a, you, you take a picture of a tree and you put a sign in the, just a piece of paper in the tree and the piece of paper right on the piece of paper. And you got to do it in a big marker so you can see it with the camera. Get, get your pie at grandma's house. So the idea is go to the tree to find your pie and there's a sign that says. Well, that. that's how pointers and C work. It's indirect addressing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And instead of going for the pie, you're grabbing the, so- you know, the letters on the sign and yep. calculating on it's them. A sca- it's a scavenger hunt. Yeah, I do. I do like pie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like having to walk far to get it, though. So this this is not a good yeah. analogy to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need about three point one four of them or so. <laughs> and I promised we were going to talk about five G, and here it comes. <laughs> are we going to really talk about five G, or are we going to talk about how it how it gives us diseases this, and stuff? <laughs> this article is from our Technica. frogs gay. This this article uh, is from Ars Technica, and and neither Mark nor I can remember adding it to the show notes. So somebody maybe Jason. But I remember. Did. See, I, don't know. I remember someone. It, it had to be one of the other hosts, but yeah. this article was also linked yeah. in the Tam IRC channel today at yeah, work. And I I, I, I saw it. Dollar anti five G device is just one hundred and twenty eight megabyte USB. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so oh, if you can, if you can, if you can remember the days of Y2K when people were selling Y2K detectors that were just a flashing light, oh, this is great. <laughs> or if you can remember, I don't know. There's probably a hundred times in history, like like I'm selling my copper sculpture of uh, what is it, Lincoln, and they send you a penny, right? Yeah, it goes with the left-handed sculpture. Yeah, the good old yeah, big, the good old. Holding divots, you want McGregor divots. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The good old false advertising. So apparently, and I, I got a, I, <laughs> I didn't thoroughly wow. read this one as usual, but someone is apparently selling 
a, a USB device that is supposed to be an anti-5G device for all those people that are worried about uh, being infected with their 5G. It's a USB key with a sticker on it. It's a USB key. Not only is it a USB key, it's a 128 meg USB stick. <laughs> With I a haven't sticker had, on it. I haven't had a 128 meg USB stick since like 2001. <laughs> Fortunately, you can use your 5 gig BioShield without disabling your Wi-Fi. The USB doesn't block <laughs> Wi-Fi, the company says. It says the product transmutes the signals and harmonizing, harmonizes all harmful frequencies into life-affirming frequency. <laughs> Oh, this is great! <laughs> this is this is oh, I am so gonna put this on Facebook. This, uh, is, this is this is oh wow! This is awesome. I'm gonna buy a bridge over to the Arizona coastline here too. You <laughs> know, maybe maybe you could reach back to that Nigerian prince and get yeah, that money yeah. so you could buy a bunch of these and hand them out. Oh, this is. This <laughs> uh, when plugged into our test machine. <laughs> We may have missed the bubble of quantum holographic catalyzer technology appearing. <laughs> the stick comes loaded with a 25-page PDF version of the material from 5, 5G BioShield's website. It included a Q&A of, and so of the Anna, distances for the bubble. <laughs> Anna Grochowskowalski just doubled. You think she just doubled down. She's the uh, she's the uh, BioShield distribution director. She okay. told the BBC, "We are in possession of a great deal of technical information with plenty of backup historical research, and are not authorized to fully disclose all the sensitive information to third parties for obvious reasons." Oh my gosh! Oh, so now I got to Google this 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 scam artist. Oh, oh, it says apparently it's always working, whether it's powered on or not. So oh, no visual checks are needed. <laughs> Review of the sticks properties okay. revealed nothing more than what you'd expect from a regular oh. 128 meg USB key. <laughs> One person <laughs> we're even the sure that 128. Oh, we weren't even sure that 128s were still in production. <laughs> probably not. It's probably just big enough to hold the PDF. <laughs> probably. It's probably just isn't there. It probably bought out some warehouse somewhere. Yeah, right. Someone that had a bunch of 128 just laying around. I mean, they're probably from like 2005 when these things were no longer a thing that anybody was buying. <laughs> I suspect that this whole product was somewhere. the brainchild of Clayton Uferhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Company says research is too sensitive to disclose. <laughs> Man, if you're out there, I'm I'm sorry. I I I, I I'm sorry. It is the brainchild of Clayton Ufa House. Yeah. One person who does take the 5G BioShield claim seriously is Toby Hall, one of the members of Glastonbury Town Council's 5G Advisory Committee. Hall told the BBC that he felt a calmer feel to the home when using 5GB 5G BioShield. Hall said he has no regrets about buying it and since plugging it in had felt beneficial effects, including being able to sleep through the night and having more dreams. To be here's a, here's an, here's another testimonial for you. Chris, <laughs> who called, uh, who called five G bio shield an incredible product is quoted saying, I noticed my field 
Wait, I noticed my field reaching coherence and eliminating the frantic energy. <laughs> Most importantly, uh, it has enabled me to access a higher vibration <laughs> and help help the what's a oh the pineal gland. <laughs> what? I should get me one of those, and that can help me get in touch with my feelings. Mm. This is this is just amazing stuff. Oh, there's, I put that on Facebook. This That's one, the, this one does support comments. <laughs> Maybe we should oh, read some comments. I'll bet there's some good ones. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that's that's a good. That's a great article. Thanks for finding that. <laughs> oh, well, it's too late for us, Greg. This is because Adam. No way I'm buying this thing until I hear what Glenneth Paltrow's opinion is on this. Oh, right, right. Well, we apparently missed the boat because Adam Russell heard that it can prevent baldness. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I better, I better get one. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Before we're it's all, too late. We're all, we're all stuck inside. We can't do haircuts, right? I mean, that's just part of the thing. My wife cut my hair a little bit. But here's a thing I didn't notice. I don't know if you can see this on the camera or not. There's about, there's about, there's about 135 hairs up on top there. They're real fine. Wait. You can't really see them. Wait a but second. Wait. Like, Wait, long. Greg. Huh. What? On Friday's GCS Connect, you said it was 137. Did I? Did you I lose pulled, two? I two of them out. <laughs> you squeeze them hard enough, you just yank them, yank them right out. It hurts a little bit, but then you know, then it's okay. <laughs> wow. So anyway, it might be 137. If you, if you want to be protected from the 5Gs, now I I'm I didn't notice anywhere in the article that they mentioned it as protecting you from COVID, just 5G. Apparently 5G is a demon all in itself. Oh yeah. Uh, whether it's spreading 5G or not. But uh, if you want to be protected from the 5G, go spend $350 on this 128 mega. Well, because 5G. the fi the 5G can cause whatever whatever illness the phone company wants it to cause at any oh. given time. They just they have a dial. Right. It's like that Bugs Bunny episode the Bugs Bunny episode with the the saucer that Wiley e. Coyote yeah. has and and it's set to rabbit and then <laughs> Bugs Bunny sticks his head out of his hole and he's got a rooster mask on and he takes a, a permanent <laughs> marker and writes coyote and then turns the dial to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 5G. It will find, bend your mind, and lose the war for the allies. Aye, aye, aye. Mm. That's right out of George Carlin. A little bit adapted. So, at any rate, I think I think that's it for tonight's show. <laughs> Thank you, folks, for sticking with us this long. Those of you that are watching live. Um, and thank you, any of you that are listening this long on the audio-only version, because I'm sure it's quite the ride. <laughs> You're lovely people. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me on. I, yep. I had a blast. Oh, it's it's been oh. fun. It's been fun. I, so, I am so going to post that 5G article on Facebook. <laughs> so, oh, folks, and if, I uh, shall follow it. <laughs> if you if you want to watch this train wreck live, uh, you can you can do so on the second and fourth Thursday of every month at roughly seven o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you can follow the show, uh, or sorry, you can do so via YouTube, youtubecom slash podcast. Uh, if you want to chat with us directly, you can join our Slack workspace at ironsysadmin.com forward slash Slack. It's like you're right to the invite link. 
Um, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. You just search for Iron Sysadmin and you'll find us. Um, and uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you would normally subscribe to podcasts. And for those of you who are not already, you can certainly go support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Iron Sysadmin so I can buy that awesome new mixer that I talked about. <laughs> Nate, despite all of my begging, refuses to give us a presence on LiveJournal. I feel we're missing out on a huge audience. <sighs> Live Greg's here just attain ninja levels of stealth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm about to play the the outro music so that Greg can talk over it. <laughs> Greg, your beard looks like a gold charm pit when it let you let it grow. Let it grow, let it grow. <laughs> That's the new outro music is you singing. All right, All right, folks. So those of you watching us live, thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, I hope you had as much fun as we did on the show. And we will catch you on the next one. <laughs>